Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey, you found us. I consider myself lucky to have you joining us for the very first episode. Yes, episode one of the First Gen Hunter podcast. My co-host Brandon and I will cover the obligatory introductory information, and then we're going to get right down to business discussing our 2019 hunting seasons, as well as then go through our 2020 hunting season goals. So, put in that second earbud or set the car to cruise control and get ready to feast your ears on episode one of the First Gen Hunter Podcast. are so glad to have you tuning in today. Our mission here at First Gen Hunter is to help new hunters break into the nuanced world of hunting and to find success that leads to a lifetime of enjoyment. I'm joined here today by my co-host Brandon. Hopefully you'll get to be quite familiar with Brandon. He's a great guy. In fact, uh, our history together is kind of weird. <laughs> Wouldn't you say, Brandon? <laughs> I would. I would say so. <laughs> I mean, more than just the fact that I'm kind of a weird guy, but uh, um, it, what's so weird about it is we met through my brother-in-law, and uh, maybe even making this story more weird is that I remember the first time I met Brandon, and he doesn't remember it, and it was because I was uh, sleeping in his dorm room as a sophomore in high school. I was probably on, you know, third shift security and, and whatnot. I probably was not fully with it at that time, so I apologize. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think I do remember you getting in really late from work or something. So, so uh, yes, not your fault. I can I can let you off the hook for that. <laughs> Thank you. But then I ended up going to that college, and uh, uh, you were there my, I think, for maybe just my first semester of my freshman mm-hmm. year or something. You were, you were just finishing up, and I was just yes. getting started, and... I was yes. probably the annoying, obnoxious uh, freshman in the dorm, and you're like the the guy who's like, "Man, I got to get out of here and, and and get on with get on with uh, life, so I don't have to be around college freshmen anymore." Well, you know how it was with me in Wisconsin and getting 100 inches of snow for four and a half years. I was ready to you know transition on out. You know what I mean? <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Brandon and I, we do have some some uh, uh, unique history together, which uh, mm-hmm. really is what brought us together um, f- for this show. And yeah. uh, um, kind of interesting how, how all that came together. And, and we, won't, we won't go into all that detail now. That, that could be a, a future episode in of itself down the road. Sure. But uh, just to, to kind of give you a background of, of who we are, uh, I myself am high school biology teacher. And uh, I've done that now for, uh, let's see, this is my sixth year of teaching. And uh, it's really been a, a great uh, way to serve my community. Um, mm. I, I'm reminded of that all the time. And 
it's a unique job. It's a, it's a hard job. It's a very challenging job. Um, so many hours, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times, uh, the perception is, oh man, you got, you know, once school's done, you know, you, you get to go home at, at two thirty, and, and you got summers off and you got Christmas break. Man, I am here to tell you, it is a grind. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of times, seven days a week. You know, there's <laughs> there's something to be there's something to be doing. So, so it's it's been a good job, but but uh, it's definitely been challenging. It's pushed me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, but it's it's definitely a part of who I am. And uh, you know, doing the the science side of things really is what kind of pulled me into uh, becoming a first gen hunter. So uh, let's let's uh, um, talk about that here in a second. What what is a first gen hunter? Uh, we'll, we'll get to that here in just a second. But as far as as that idea of my career as a science teacher kind of nudging me in the direction of hunting, um, I, I grew up in the outdoors. I you know fishing, uh, canoeing, kayaking, um, backpacking. Did a did a handful of backpacking trips to uh out out in montana um i live in iowa so that's a big deal for me (laughs) yeah right (laughs) so uh, i I, i've done done several of those trips um i've i've uh done some canoeing portaging trips up near the boundary waters in uh, northern minnesota and uh you know just i love the outdoors but but hunting wasn't there and Mm -hmm. uh teaching science is one of those things that kind of, you know, you're learning so much about how an ecosystem works and the wildlife that, that live in those ecosystems. And, and it just, it, it really sparks a hunger there. Um, part of then becoming, uh, a a first gen hunter, uh, somebody who didn't have a dad basically to take them hunting. I had a dad, I have a dad. (laughs) This isn't a (laughs) memorial podcast here. Uh, I, I have a great dad. He's a very loving dad. Uh, um, always encouraged me to, uh, uh, you know, you know, playing Mm -hmm. football, lifting weights and, and of course doing all those other outdoor activities that I talked about. But for whatever reason, hunting was not on our family's radar. So, uh, I, I came into that as an adult. I think I was 25 the first time I ever went, 25 or 26, the first time I ever went hunting. Mm-hmm. And um, since then, I've I've actually gotten into uh, writing for an outdoor magazine. Now I'm brand new to uh, <clears throat> this podcasting endeavor here with uh, a yeah. Brandon. And um, so you might be asking yourself at this point, if you're an experienced hunter, why should I keep listening? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent question, man. But please hang on, okay? I I am fully aware of that, and and that is a reality. And I I know that many of the listeners are going to know or at least have more experience than what I do. But my co-host Brandon here, as he's going to tell us in a second, has been hunting for a very <laughs> long time, and has lots of valuable experience to share, and um. I think I think uh, you'll you'll find value just in what he has to say, but also we're gonna seek out lots of different uh, interviews that include all these interesting stories, helpful mm-hmm. tips from very experienced hunters, news that's relevant to the hunting world at the time, even even um, you know just interest stories that that pertain to the to the uh, 
hunting world. So we'll have plenty for you to uh, uh, enjoy, even if you are uh, somebody who's been hunting all their life and, and have all kinds of experience. We're going we're gonna to do our best to create a dynamic listening experience for you. So enough about me, though. Let's get to uh, the super interesting guy, the guy that's so interesting that people remember they meet him, but he does not remember that he met them. Well, I'm working on that. I'm working on that part. <laughs> so, Brandon, um, first of all, you have this really cool project going on right now, too, with your uh, two brothers, and, and uh, you're going to hopefully be able to tell us more about that at some point. Um, yeah. Uh, but part of that is you and your brothers really grew up in the hunting world, right? Yeah, we, we did kind of, I mean, you know, growing up for me, you know, I was, I was that, you know, son who got a BB gun when he was five years old and I was out there, you know, my dad, you know, taking me out, shooting a shotgun, helped me shoot a shotgun when I was seven or eight years old and just kind of even being in the deer stand with him. Um, you know, at five or six years of age, just, you know, even for an hour or two to be out there and just, he really took the time, um, to, to, to do that. And, and actually he got into hunting because my mother's brothers got him into hunting. So my mom and dad knew each other growing up and my father was very close to, uh, my, my father's father actually didn't like hunting at all. Um, so, uh, my mom's brothers were really into hunting. Uh, they got into hunting themselves. Actually, even their father was not into hunting. Um, and so that's kind of how it was born. They got into hunting themselves. They got my dad into hunting. And then of course he introduced it to us boys years later. And, you know, I've been hunting now for, you know, going on 30 years and have done all sorts of, you know, different hunting excursions and, you know, the, sure. the thrill of the hunt and the opportunity to just be out there is, and, and that every single day out there has a different story is what continues to draw me to it. For sure. Yeah, that that's a powerful statement right there. Hunting for 30 years and yet you're still you're still not tired of it. You still haven't figured it all out yet, huh? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well said. No, that is that is really cool. Man, that that's a cool first-gen hunter story for for uh, all those people that have have uh poured into your life eventually. Really yes. affected affected your life as a hunter. Yes. So, where I guess we I I didn't really well, I did mention that I, I am from Iowa. I live in Iowa. So I, I said that Montana was a big deal. Where did where did you grow up hunting, and and where do you spend most of your time hunting now? Yeah, yeah. So I I actually grew up uh, in Southern Delaware. Uh, my family actually has been in Southern Delaware since the 1600s. Actually, wow. Uh, so it was the it was the good Lord's will apparently that I not leave Delaware, um, <laughs> except for for a short time to Wisconsin for college. I lived in North Carolina for a little while and, and enjoyed a lot of fishing down there. But then you know the good Lord brought me back to Delaware and um, have been hunting you know there since I was a little boy. And really that's been primarily where I've done the bulk of my hunting. And uh, Southern Delaware is very interesting um, because it's uh, it's kind of uh, uh, an area that doesn't get a lot of attention um, for big bucks, but big bucks continue to be shot in Southern Delaware every year. And uh, there's so many facets that go into why that is and looking forward to discussing that more. But uh, pretty cool, the, the opportunities to be close to the coast and what that offers and then to just have farm country as well and what all that offers, you know, on the hunting side of things. So pretty, pretty exciting place to be for hunting. Yeah, that's really cool that you mentioned that. You you know, when you when you talk about whitetail hunting, you know, Iowa's gonna jump up there, Illinois, mm-hmm. Kansas, mm-hmm. 
Missouri, you know, Indiana, Wisconsin, you know, a lot of the Midwestern states, you don't really, you don't really think about, uh, people, uh, uh looking to go to Delaware to do a, a whitetail hunt. That's, that's, that's really interesting. I, I certainly don't know much about it. Although I will say this, you need to check out Brandon's, uh, uh, social media pages, uh, because he, he ain't lying. Uh, he, he and his brothers, uh, they, they shoot some big bucks. Okay. So, <laughs> well, thank you. So, uh, it's, and, and that, and again, that's coming from a guy who, uh, lives in Iowa, who, uh, uh gets to, uh, see all kinds of big bucks yeah. on trail camera or in the sure. stand. Uh, I don't get to kill him yet, but, uh, <laughs> Hey, you're just, getting there. You're just just there. the little ones, just the little ones. <laughs> Got to be good at something, right? Yeah, but, that's uh, right. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll have a good heartbreak story for you guys here by the end oh, of the episode I'm excited. about, I'm excited. about a, a, a true Iowa giant that, uh, yeah, well, we'll get there. But anyways, oh. so you're out there on the East Coast, really, mm-hmm. um, yep. and got all this experience hunting. Let's get into your uh, hunt fish life project that mm-hmm. you and your brothers have going here. What kind of uh, content are listeners who may uh try tracking your stuff down what what Mm -hmm. what kind of content should they be looking for yeah so great question i mean hunt fish life was born out of really just a desire to celebrate everything related to hunting and fishing you know and so having been someone who grew up and having been someone who has seen the memories made with that and then you know have gotten to the point now where friendships have been developed and and I think one of the one of the cool things about the outdoor side of things you know is uh that it's amplified when you share it with people and you know when you're talking about you know first gen hunters and and you know their their ability to get into it many times you know if it wasn't because of of a father and if they're a first gen hunter typically it's not um if if it's not that then usually it's because someone reached out to them or, you know, through some sort of mutual communication and, and offered an opportunity. And so what I've found with the hunting and fishing side of things is when you can enjoy it together in the brotherhood and sisterhood of the, of the outdoors, it just magnifies the enjoyment. And so that's what it's all about. Sure. It's it, our, our, you know, hunt fish life is, is very social media driven in the sense of, we love to share stories together. We love to build mm-hmm. friendships. We love to mentor new and, and young outdoorsmen, um, to continue to build that legacy of the outdoors. And, and then, you know, we offer products as well, um, which uh, essentially allow us to all showcase our enjoyment of these pastimes. So, yeah. um, you know, we're on social media, you know, we've got a web page, thehuntfishlife.com. You know, we're on, uh, we have an Etsy page, you know, for purchases and whatnot. But, you know, we're, we're, the main thing is just building the ability for people to share stories and to, you know, share memories. And that's really what it's all about. So being for able sure. to offer that as an opportunity for people to share is exciting. Yeah, for sure. Everybody, everybody loves to talk about themselves, right? That's, that's <laughs> yep, yep. That hunters are no different. You know, we you should have seen the size of that buck. You know, you're right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that that's spot on. You know that, I I think I think you know we we can joke about that about how hunters like to talk about themselves or whatever or to to uh, show off the the antlers that um, they were able to harvest the the season before, but it's important that people hear each other's stories because, um, each person adds value in their own way. And, and, um, the stories that get passed down, uh, through generations are oftentimes those types of stories of adventure and, Mm -hmm. um, uh, really kind of 
going back to our our primal uh, instincts as as a, as humans. You know, we, mm-hmm. we're back to that hunter gatherer mm-hmm. um, way of of having to survive and and uh you know when you can when you can uh provide that opportunity for somebody to to share that kind of information about themselves that's that's a powerful thing i think and, and yes so that's, i'm i'm a huge fan of what's going on at at uh hunt fish life in fact i'm Thank actually you. wearing my my hunt fish life uh swag right now so it's, <laughs> it's pretty it's, it's it's really cool it's, it's a comfortable shirt so um <laughs> Well, that's great. Um, so one more time, can you uh, say tell us how uh, listeners can find you? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So um, right now we're, we're on Facebook uh, at The Real Hunt Fish Life. Um, we're on um, – you know, we have a web page, uh, thehuntfishlife.com. Um, we have an Etsy page. You know, sir, you know, Hunt Fish Life is is the name of the Etsy page. Uh, and so, just excited to continue to build the following. And and you know, I think what you mentioned just about stories. You know, we we are. You know, each of us is a, is kind of a sum of our stories, and you know, hunting and, and the outdoors and all of that is is kind of like it's it's a it's a branch off of life. You know, there's there's some great moments there's some tragic moments and it all you know comes together to build the story of who we are so being able to to have a chance to share that and to hear about other stories and to learn from each other you know at the end of the day no one has all the information you know so the ability to learn from each other and humility is is huge that yeah i i could never say that better myself that's that is spot on absolutely well let's shift gears here um now that now that our listeners know know a little bit about us, um, let's uh, let's tell them uh, something that um, they definitely don't know about us yet. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be our biggest moment from the 2019 hunting season. Mm. So your biggest moment. Now I I've got a good one. I've kind of already uh, let the cat out of the bag a little bit. I am uh, excited few, to hear a few, it a few minutes ago, but my parents always taught me company first so since you're joining my show i'll let you go first to to tell your biggest moment from your 2019 hunting season sure okay not a problem uh so my my biggest moment was kind of tied into to two moments uh, actually so you know I, I had the opportunity you know this this past season to really put a lot of time in and early in the season you know we we had our trail cams out and really seeing you know about 12 to 15 really good shooter bucks and I had a great opportunity in the uh, latter part of September to be out there and you know, just perfect wind, you know, just trying to do everything just right. And uh, I was hunting with a crossbow on, on the bow side of things. I prefer crossbow. And so I was out there and, you know, had a beautiful 10 point come in. And, you know, everything was perfect. You know, we sure. still had about 45 minutes left to light. It actually came in with another shooter buck, just a, just a slight bit smaller than he was, and came in perfect broadside, you know, ended up actually giving me a 13-yard shot. And uh, I actually thought it was about 17 yards. Uh, I ended up shooting a little high on the deer, passed through. Uh, and you know, it was, it was one of those situations where you take the shot and you just feel like something's not right sure. and you're not sure what everything happens so quick. Um, and so got down, you know, found the arrow, you know, good clean pass through shot. Actually, we tracked blood for a good bit and, and we totally lost the trail. Oh, man. And, uh, uh, unfortunately we did not end up finding that deer and this had come kind of come on the heels of 
you know, a couple of close friends of mine also missing opportunities. Um, actually one was, you know, wounded a deer and then another miss. And so, you know, we're really just, you know, kind of at that low, you know, we're just exhausted and, and so tired. And so fast forward to shotgun season in Delaware, you know, is, uh, mid November. And I had an opportunity to hunt a different property uh, that we had leased this year. And, uh, you know, we really hadn't gotten pictures of anything real great on, on the property, but we were kind of spreading out the pressure, trying to be careful of how much we're pressuring the different properties and whatnot. And, um, you know, one morning my parents were hunting the other side of the, the property together in a stand and they saw just a giant buck come out, actually posed perfectly for the camera. They had just down the trail from them oh, nice. and, uh, that deer ended up coming, you know, just down the way towards me, uh, you know, ended up veering off a trail that would have given me a 25 yard shot and changed direction down towards the swamp that we have on that property and gave me about a 45 yard shot. And unfortunately I missed that deer. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So your confidence is rock bottom. At this My point. confidence is, and, and you're just a great proof that, you know, it doesn't matter how long you're hunting, you know, you're going to have those down moments and it's, it's what you do with them and how you respond to them. And I mean, and that once again, just brings in the importance of, of a brotherhood, sisterhood, you know, encouragement, you know, here we are meeting at the diner afterwards, you know, guys are encouraging me, you know, we're, we're, you know, trying to have, you know, just a, you know, a positive response to things. And, uh, you know, a week later, you know, right very end of the season, um, you know, to make a long story short, you know, it was relatively uneventful hunt, hunting that same property. I was actually out on the field and about five minutes left of shooting light. And I, I almost always sit until the end of shooting light. But this particular time, I just kind of resigned myself by that point. I said, I actually prayed. I said, Lord, you know what? Thank you for a great season. You know, I really appreciate it. And I decided, you know what? I'm just going to get up five minutes early. So I, I just got up five minutes early started walking back through the middle of the field mm -hmm. and it's a very, it's a very large field. And, uh, all of a sudden I looked down and I said, I think that's a deer down there. Long way down. There was a deer <laughs> down there. And I, I said, you know what? It's the last day of the season. Five minutes left. I'm just going to see what happens. So I sat down in the middle of the field and sure enough, that deer started running diagonal kind of away from me. And I got, you know, I got down, uh, was able to get it in my sights. I actually had to yell at the deer uh, <laughs> about three times, stopped it about a hundred yards away. And I squeezed the shot off. And, and at that point it's, you know, basically rate it, it rate it shooting light. You know, you're looking yeah. at just a couple minutes left of shooting light. And I was scanning the field with my binoculars. I thought I saw the belly of a deer, but I did not know exactly how big he was. Um, and so I started walking up to it and, and had the flashlight, you know, could see that I had gotten a deer. And as I'm getting up closer to it, that, you know, the body's getting bigger. And I'm like, wow, what is this? And I realize <laughs> I walk up to it and it's, you know, you, I, I, I could have been pinched right then. I, I was in a dream. It was the same exact buck that I had missed a week before. No way. Uh, had that chance at, you know, last minute of shooting light, just like that. And what was really cool about it, you know, I was I very rarely do we hunt properties by ourselves because, you know, we other guys may hunt the property. Some of the properties are bigger than others. I was by myself. So what I did is I, I very quickly drove the truck out in the field, put that thing in the back of the truck. Another one of the guys in our club had shot a giant buck that same night. No one else knew that I got that deer. So I ran home real quick. The guys came home after me and I had drugged the deer in the backyard and I said, Hey guys, you know, bring Keith's deer back out in the backyard. So they pulled it out in the backyard and then simultaneously they all saw this other deer sitting <laughs> in the backyard. And I mean, it was just high fives and you know, that brotherhood, sisterhood, just, just oh, of enjoyment gosh. pictures, you know, it was just, you know, it just was like, wow. You know, it, you just, all you could do is say, thank you Lord for the opportunity, you know, because that was one of those situations where, you know, I really didn't do anything to, to 
really deserve that. I just was out there. Actually, I got up early. You know, typically, you know, you're not going to get up early from a spot. You know, you got to get up five minutes early. And lo and behold, you know, I was able to, to take that you know, harvest that, that huge deer. So just blessed to be able to experience that, you know, a season of kind of tragedy that, you know, at the last minute of, of shotgun season was able to be resurrected a little bit. So, which was really, really cool to experience something like that. For sure. You know, I think, I think behind every incredible deer that's been killed, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say every, but I'm going to say a high percentage yeah. of every incredible deer every incredible buck that is that mm-hmm. is uh reeled in each year mm-hmm. there's there is that wh- whatever you want to call it luck divine intervention yes. uh <laughs> you know something yes. that where where the the way the cookie crumbled that day was the right way and, right and yes. uh you know it just it just happened to work out and what's interesting is your story is eerily similar to my own. Oh, man, but, okay. But I will say this. I can come away feeling good about this story, despite nice. the fact that I would categorize it in the level of, or in the class of tragic buck <laughs> oh, moments. No. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah, it's a it's a it's a heart ripper. Well, I'm I am very excited to hear about it. Give us the story. Yeah. So, uh, similar thing. I was hunting by myself. Um, my hunting plans changed for this last fall. I was uh, um, I used to always. So again, first gen hunter here. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't have a ton of hunting experience under my belt, um, but I've been only a gun hunter up until this point in this story and uh-huh. um uh so uh, traditionally what i would do is i would hunt um uh the second shotgun season in iowa which is in uh um kind of mid to late uh december you know kind of ends uh-huh. around the 20th of december usually is is around the last day of it and sure. um then I would go out again for late muzzleloader season and uh, um, try and hunt then. Well, going back to the 2018, 20, so I guess, you know, late 2018, mm-hmm. t- fall of 2018 season. Um, yeah. I hunted the the early muzzleloader season uh, because my daughter, uh, my, my second child, uh, she yeah. was born on February 1st, and I did not want to be way out of town <laughs> hunting and uh, get that desperate phone call and and yes. qualify for the Worst Husband Ever Award. Um, so <laughs> I changed my plans. I, I scrapped the late muzzleloader season plans for that year because uh, that was right you know, close to that due date. And um, so mm-hmm. I ended up hunting that early um, muzzleloader season in October and I killed my first buck. It was awesome. I, I, uh, yeah. um, yep. I, I got my nice six point buck. Um, I mean, nothing huge, but certainly, uh, one to definitely make you feel good, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, something to be proud of as a, as a new hunter. So all that kind of takes us then to 2019 because I had that success. I saw a lot of deer, uh, during that early muzzleloader season, it's like you know what I'm gonna hunt the early muzzleloader season. Um, this this coming season, fall 19, 
And to make mm-hmm. matters better, um, my new school that I just started teaching at, which is actually my alma mater, <laughs> went back to my old high oh, school. Nice. I, yeah, I teach in the classroom that I uh, attended school in at one time. It's Very like, cool. Yeah, it's a unique experience for sure. <laughs> All kinds of flashbacks yeah. and and uh, <laughs> uh, memories of ways that I uh, thankfully have uh, grown in. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, um. This school that I'm at now, they have a fall week break. And guess what week it was? Nice. (laughs) Yes, right during the early (laughs) muzzleloader uh, season here in Iowa. And so I had this whole plan worked out. Well, family plans changed. And um, I had to totally rearrange things. But I was still able to go hunt for most of that time off, which was great. Nice. And, And I can't complain about it. So I'm at my grandparents' house. Um, they they live on a farm, and um, uh, and so I'm staying with them. It's awesome. I'm very close to my grandparents. Always have been, and so I'm enjoying my time with them. Getting up super early in the morning, going out and hunting by myself, and mm-hmm. you know maybe coming in around lunchtime to to get together with them, and then going back out. Oh, you know, two thirty or so, and mm-hmm. and uh, hunting till dark. Well. At this point, I had I had a buck tag in my pocket and I had a, a antlerless tag in my pocket. Well, I, I didn't anymore. I had already filled my antlerless tag. It was awesome, you know. I was yes. so, now, so now I'm out for I'm out for some antlers, you know. I, yes. I certainly the food is the best part, of course, the venison. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I can't get enough of that stuff. So, yes. but but you know now now I'm trying to also build up the. Uh, um, the the wall in my basement to make it look a yes. little, little better you know so i'm out in the spot that i it, i'm a pretty cautious hunter you know i don't like mm-hmm. to get uh as far as my setup goes mm-hmm. uh i i uh try to crank up dial up the aggressive uh play for my hunt throughout my you know if i if let's say i have five days set aside to hunt Unless conditions were just so perfect for it, you know, we're talking mm-hmm. wind direction and, and, you know, the, I'm big on barometric pressure and, and, and cold yep. fronts and that, um, unless something like that, just the, the you know, the stars align or whatever, I kind of just creep up my, my pressure, you know, get into those areas where you're, you're gradually working towards, you know, a place where you can kind of peer into the living room of the deer and and so this was late in the week i think i had maybe this was my third to last sit i was gonna have okay and and um so i i got into this pretty aggressive spot where i knew there was quite a bit of deer sign and i saw nothing it was super windy it was uh really i mean not a great day for an october deer hunt you know people that Mm -hmm. people that kind of go by the October lull this would be the yes yeah <laughs> this would be the classic yep. example of the October lull <laughs> so I'm sitting there I'm about the only thing living in that field edge uh and and I'm like you know what it's it's warm I can go back have a have a good time with my grandparents you know get in before it's too late mm-hmm. and I got you know I got a long walk back to the four-wheeler and and uh so I'm gonna go ahead and pack up you know I'll I'll uh I'll keep my uh cap in in case, you know, similar thing that you were talking about happens. 
Mm-hmm. But same thing. I left like, you know, 15 minutes early, 20 minutes early. Yep. And I normally don't do that. I normally milk it for all it's worth. And mm-hmm. and you know how that it is. You're, when you when you have kids and a family, you know, when you got hunting time set aside, you got you got to use it. But, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> cashing in on the brownie points, man, you got to get, you got to, you got to use it. But uh, make it worth it. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So, so uh, anyways, I cashed it in early. I was heading back, you know, and I kind of was walking along. We had a really wet spring last year. I don't know if uh, if those of you that are listening in and Brandon, this of course would include you that aren't from uh, Iowa. I don't know if you remember seeing in the news uh, the flooding in the Midwest last yes. year, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know Nebraska, of course, was probably had it the worst, um, but it was pretty bad in Iowa too. We just had so much rain and so much snow melt, and the fields were so wet that the plant farmers were still planting you know well into june last year i believe and so that corn was in the fields the entire season for me and normally it would be uh at least coming out for the most part by that that point and there was a little bit and i think that that actually kind of played into the story a little bit on the neighbors yeah but the farm that i was hunting was still full full standing corn all standing beans you know, really hard to see deer moving. Yeah. And so, but it's great for getting into your setup, you know, getting going on. Oh yeah. And everything. Yeah. You can, you got a perfect screen for you and everything. And, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, that's huge entrance and exit, you know, but especially if you're going to be moving in broad daylight. So, yes. uh, I was walking back on the back end of this in between two cornfields, uh, the one on the property I was hunting and the neighbors. So basically a fence row in between, you know, eight foot tall stalks of corn Mm -hmm. and i'm walking back i get to a waterway and i start heading down that waterway to get to my four-wheeler and i just look up and i just see these on the other side of this creek that's maybe 40 yards from me i see antlers Mm. and you know you get that instant like oh yeah did I just accidentally step on top of my own heart there? You know, because <laughs> <Yeah, you're right. laughs> it's just like your heart drops out of your chest. Like yeah. there's a deer, I'm not ready. And I've sat all day waiting for this moment, <laughs> you know? You're right. <laughs> so I kind of like drop my non-essential gear. And, you know, I, I think I, I was so ready to like, uh, you know, just be done for the day at this point, not a bad attitude or anything, but just like, you know, get, 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 get stuff ready to be put away i think i had already taken my cap out of my muzzle or bad move so Mm -hmm. i you know i'm scrambling here i'm pulling trying to not be super loud um peeling out a cap out of my uh little uh pack of of caps that they come in get a cap in walk up kind of lose track of that one buck he kind of goes behind some some trees well then i look out in the field in a standing bean field at about 100 yards and there are two absolute giants, Ugh. one of which definitely the biggest buck I've ever seen in person. And again, wow! I I I, I live in Iowa. We like to we yeah. like to pridefully say that we are the whitetail state or whatever. Yes, you know. So whether or not that's true, I've seen big bucks before, and this guy was like cover of field and stream big. I wow. mean, it's like. I didn't know there were elk in Iowa, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> this just, just a giant. 
I mean, and honestly, you know, I couldn't fully see his antlers. His antlers were big. I mean, they were they were mm-hmm. huge. But um his body was the thing that was was so impressive. I'm not fooling you. This buck weighed 300 pounds. I mean, wow. just an absolute hog out there. Yeah. And the one next to him, you know, about 10 yards away from him, picking through the beans, you know, yeah. he was he was a giant too. I mean, anybody would have, would have loved him, but but this I see this guy and I'm like, I got to have him, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, oh yeah. But same situation as you. About five minutes of day of legal shooting light left when I saw this. I quick checked my my uh, phone to make sure you know it was going to be a legal uh, a legal attempt here, and yep. I had five minutes. Well, by the time I was able to, as quiet as possible, get into a position to make a shot, get that cat back in, find him in my scope. <clears throat> And then I had to wait for him because his he was perfectly still. I mean, totally calm. Obviously, the boss of the of the property. Oh here, yeah. You know, I mean, just big old bruiser buck, and uh, he's calm as can be. I think they kind of heard me, you know, moving through the the grass and the branch a little bit. They really weren't bothered, but his butt was like facing straight at me. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like man. it's like. <laughs> what do you do when you have this kind of a buck and that's the only shot it gives you? And I was like, I can't just, I can't take this terrible shot. You know, I got to wait yeah. for him to give me, give me some shoulder, you know, some, yeah. some glimpse of his vital. So I did. By the time he finally turns to look at me, I think I did what you did and yelled at him or something. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he turned towards me just a slide, just to give me enough of a, a clear shot where I could, I could make an ethical uh, yeah, you know, attempt on his his um, heart lungs area. Yep, yep. So, you know how it is with a muzzleloader. Trigger gets squeezed, cloud of mm-hmm. smoke, buck mm-hmm. fever, and what actually happened? Right? Oh <laughs> well, man! Well, it's it's ninety seconds at this point of legal light. Not enough time to safely. Uh, get another shot off with my muzzle to reload and, and everything, yeah. even with speed loaders, you know, it's, yeah, it's just so cumbersome. And yeah. so, so I, uh, I just kind of watch him in, in my binos there. He's, he's, uh, and he, he looks as if nothing happened. I mm. mean, just like, like, did, did somebody do something here? You know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. like, what in the world? And so I'm like, but I mean, I know I had a good shot and, and I know my scope is on because I just killed that other, that other antlerless deer, you know, I think it was the day before, two days before. And yeah. Like, so what, what's the deal here? Well, anyways, by that, by that point, he just kind of walks off as if nothing happens. He kind of just walks over the, the horizon, I guess, the hill. Yeah, that that he's standing on, and that other big buck kind of goes along with him, and yeah, <clears throat> that one that I originally saw turns out he was like right in front of me. I just couldn't see him. There, there's too much brush in the way, and oh uh, man, and honestly, because there was a booner out in the field, you know, I was yeah, <laughs> I, I wasn't too worried about him anymore. <laughs> Took the attention away. It's understandable, right? And so I'm, you know, I'm like shaking. You know, this I, I, I as far as I could tell, I I should have hit this deer. Yeah. 
And so I call my grandparents. I'm like, look, I just shot a horse. You know, it's like, yeah, there, there's a, there's a monster that I have hit. I'm going to try and see if I can get it, get on some blood or something. And, yeah. And they're like, do you need us to come help? And I was like, yeah, that would probably be good because it's getting so dark. I'm going to need some flashlights and stuff. You know, I yeah. have my headlamp and my four-wheeler headlights. So my grandmother, my 80-year-old grandmother, in fact, she had just uh, uh, turned 80 a few days before this. Um, oh, wow. She, she, incredible woman. She gets out of my, my grandpa's uh, pickup there out in the on the edge of the bean field, and we're out there walking a standing bean field in pitch black with flashlight. oh man no moon cover or you know oh. like no moonlight just i mean it is dark yeah. and here's uh uh the the pro tip of the day here <laughs> usually the the simplest thing is the explanation for most things, right? Isn't that called mm-hmm. like Ackman's razor or something? You can yes. shave it down to the simplest explanation. That's probably the best explanation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking at a couple hundred acres of standing beans <laughs> in the dark, <laughs> uh, where do you start looking for blood on a deer that you shot from 100 yards away in the last five minutes of legal shooting light? Right. So... What made sense, and it actually ended up being true, was uh, there were these tracks in the field from where the field had been sprayed in the summer, and some of the beans had gotten mashed down. And you know that deer love the path of least resistance. Oh, yeah. And we actually found some deer sign where uh, I had seen seen that other big buck standing next to him um, drop some scat while I was mm. waiting for that shot. I actually mm-hmm. found his fresh droppings. Oh wow! Okay. And in yeah, in the in the pitch black here, we we were able to find some. We were able to find that sign, but I saw no blood. So at that point, wow. it's like, well, obviously, I mean, he just didn't react. He yeah. he just walked off like no big deal. And so. Um, I'm thinking it's over, you know, I did, I did, I yeah. missed him. And, you know, like you're saying, confidence is in the basement at this point. Yeah. You know, it's just, man, I'm terrible. I, you know, maybe <laughs> I need to just take up another hobby or something. <laughs> 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 and, 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 uh, so fast forward now that that story's over, right? I, I yeah. missed my opportunity, this giant buck. Well, the guy who rents my grand, my grandfather's, uh, land and farms it yeah. about a month later, He's harvesting the last 10 acres of standing corn. Yeah. And up hops this giant buck. Wow. And he goes off hobbling oh. on, his front, on his front shoulder. And uh, he lived. He, I hit wow. him. He didn't react. It was clearly a non-vital shot. I must have just grazed yeah. him or... Or uh, yeah. hit no man's land up there, right around the brisket, and and uh, not didn't didn't kill him. I've had oh, cameras my out. Goodness. Yeah, I've had cameras out. I've gone shed hunting. I think I even pheasant hunted. Yeah, I did. I pheasant hunted out there after that to keep an eye out for him. I've cruised that field so many times. No sign of him. Not on trail cameras. No carcass. No sheds. Wow. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I'm gonna have a uh, uh, 
hopefully a redemption opportunity uh, yes. come, come this fall. But yes. it was a it was a heartbreaking moment, but it oh. did help the confidence a little bit to know that yes, you hit your target. It's just yes. not a great shot. And and looking back, you know, maybe I shouldn't have taken that shot. You know, it was kind of dark. It was, I mean, it was legal. Everything about it was sure. legal. But yeah, but it was a it was a hard shot. But again, yeah. You know what? What does what does Michael Jordan say? You miss 100% of the shots you never take. <laughs> Certainly, <laughs> right. the stakes yep. are lower in a basketball game than when you're talking about a living, breathing organism. Uh, yes. But but um, when you get that that divine intervention moment that we were talking about, I mean, if you can take a legal shot and, and an ethical shot. It just yeah. seems like you got to do it. and Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, I don't regret taking the shot. You know, may, if I regret anything, it's that I didn't try and, and huck another round in, you know, with, yeah. with sure. uh, that last 90 seconds I had there. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I needed to watch where he was going in yeah, case sure. he was going to drop in the field and I was going to have to find him. But yeah. I, I looking back, I wish I would have just done another round because, like I said, he, he sauntered off so effortlessly that – unbothered that it probably would have been okay but sure but that kind of takes me to our next thing and, and, and kind of our last our our last thing that we're going to talk about here mm-hmm. so you know we can take what we learned from 2019 to some extent and mm-hmm. all the years we've hunted before that um, but also maybe some intel that we've already found during uh, shed season or maybe you've had some cameras out i know my camera situation is all messed up right now due to the whole uh, COVID-19 thing going on mm-hmm. with um, how life's been affected through that. And so sure. uh, I need to actually make a trip here uh, before too long to go uh, put new cards in uh, a bunch of cameras. But how do you want to grow as a hunter? Or maybe what are what are your goals for uh, this 2020 hunting season based on these lessons that we talked about or and, mm-hmm. and these successes and fail failures from our 2019 season what what is it that you're hoping to accomplish this 2020 hunting season well i hope you're enjoying the show so far each episode i'm going to try and provide for you a simple hunting tip that you can use just as soon as your next trip out to the field today's tip is on cell phone usage Most of the time, I'm one of the people who will go on and on about how one of the nice things about hunting is you can get away from technology and focus on the simpler parts of life. Well, as true as that may be, the fact is cell phones are really useful when you're hunting, especially if there's like an emergency and you need to make a 911 call. Or what about checking the weather to see if you really need to go through the hassle of digging your rain gear out of your backpack. Or maybe you haven't seen deer in a while and you're wondering if you need to take a look at the map and see if you need to relocate where you're you're hunting from. Or most likely yet, you're getting bored because you haven't seen a deer in about seven hours and so you want to get on social media and help you uh, take your mind off of the boredom so you can stay in the stand longer and have a shot at that mature buck you've been bragging about to all your buddies. Well, the problem is all these things hog up battery and when the hunting season turns cold yes weather i mean your battery becomes notoriously unpredictable and unreliable so 
How do you deal with this problem? A portable battery charger. I finally cracked the code on this. I don't know how I never thought of it before because it's a simple fix, but I started using one last season and all those problems went away. Not only did my battery stay hovering around full charge all hunt long, it really did that for multiple days on one charge for the portable battery charger. So I highly recommend before this next hunting season, you find yourself a portable battery charger that'll fit comfortably into your pocket. And uh, all you'll need then is a charging cord and you'll be able to stay safe and entertained during those long hunts. Well, I hope you find this tip useful and I hope you stick around for part two of episode one of the First Gen Hunter podcast. Yeah, so I mean, it's actually funny, you know, so this this last year, uh, my wife and I had our third child um, on July 15th. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, this is this is pretty funny because, you know, right around that time, I think I had taken my last bass fishing trip of the year the day before. So I went fishing and and had a good time. And, and my wife was like, you know, about to have the baby. I just want to be honest with you. You're not going to be hunting as much this year. And I was like, I mean, hey, totally understandable, <laughs> yep, you know, yep. whatever, you know, that's, that's certainly, you know, well, here's the thing. I hunted more last year than I have ever did in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I attribute it to, you know, early in the season, uh, one of my best friends hit a giant, we trailed it for 450 yards, you trail in the blood, you know, just a, it would be a drop of blood every 10 foot. And, you know, you knew it wasn't, man. you know, you knew in your heart, man, we're not going to find this deer, yep. but you know, you just kept trailing it because you found a drop of blood. Yep. And, uh, and then I was out filming my brother and he had a shot at a, a nice eight point and our, my portable above him was just a little, uh, not quite high enough. And he, tr- he was trying to draw his bow and he kept clanging my stand and just, I mean, the thing was 15 yards oh. from us. We had the rights. I mean, it was perfect. And it, you know, just one of those things where, like you said earlier, the, the cookie did not crumble the right way that time. <laughs> yep, yep. And, uh, you know, and then I had my opportunity where I hit that deer and, and fortunately did catch trail cam pictures of it months later and, and it's okay. But it just, early, that early season with all those sightings and everything, it just riled us up so much to where we hunted so much. And so I know for me, my goal going forward is to balance things a little bit more. It's easy for me to, you know, just kind of go head first and just, you know, because it's such sure. a passion. Uh, but it, it's my, you know, it's really my intent this year to balance things out. And I, I felt like I had been doing a good job in years before that. And so really, I think what you mentioned, you know, have mentioned when we've talked in the, you know, in the past, you know, balancing it out to where family it's, it is not being negatively affected you know and it's all about a balancing act uh but Absolutely. beyond that you know my my goal as a hunter this year you know last year really we were able to do a a, a good job getting trail cams out early um and you know uh, have a couple of particular products that I like to use uh that really bring them in in that you know june july growing season and just you know it, you talk about finding sheds and how it feels like christmas day and it kind of feel like the same it's the same thing when you're looking at real cam fit, uh, pictures you know you, you you line up pictures you know you get a few weeks worth of photos and you've got you know maybe three thousand photos that you're just going yeah. through and you're seeing these bucks growing in velvet yep. and just you know really just plugging away and so that that's you know my big goal this year we really did it particularly on two properties last year i want to try to expand it to the four properties that we have 
Um, and then on one property, we have a really unique setup. It's about 125 acres, but it's got three food plot fields kind of in the middle, secluded in the middle of the, of the property. Oh, nice. And, uh, we've kind of only done, uh, you know, light planning, you know, kind of planted later in the season, the last few years. And it was helpful. It resulted in, in some good success, but trying to get it sprayed actually here very soon, uh, and then get it tilled up and planted. So we have a better crop going right into the September season. So there's a couple of my goals as, as you know, I kind of move into this next year. How about you, Kent? What do you think? Yeah, man, that, those are, those are excellent, excellent, uh, targets to have for, for this year. And, and, you know, balancing the family and the hunting side of things is, it's a real thing and it's an important mm-hmm. thing. You know, I, I recently heard a guy say, who was a family man, but also a big time bow hunter. Mm-hmm. He said the day that hunting becomes more important than your family is a sad day. And, mm, and that yeah. is, that is, that is so true. And so, yeah, I think, you know, when, when you're in a situation uh, like both of us, where you got a couple of kids and, and, and a wife and, and, uh, you know, they, they are the most important thing. And yeah. so you kind of have to shift to that from that quantity to quality side of things, yes. which I think can be hard for a first gen hunter because you're still figuring everything out. And sure. one of your ways you can compensate for maybe not knowing, okay, what's the best conditions to be hunting in or where's what, what stand location, or maybe you don't even have a stand yet and you're just hunting on the ground. Where should yep. I, where should I be, um, positioned for today's hunt? Well, when you're a first gen hunter, you, there's so much to learn that a lot of times that's, you, you don't know that yet. And so right. the way you kind of compensate with it is you go quantity over quality, you know? Yeah. I guess if I'm out here enough days, then the chance of a, of a deer walking by are just better. So yeah, that's right. a, that's a real thing that I think, um, you know, uh, all hunters, uh, need to look for, but especially first gen hunters as you're, as you're trying to, um, navigate that. And, and again, I, I hope that our resources here at First Gen Hunter and, and even on this podcast will help you figure some of that stuff out and, and get you more onto the, that end of the continuum of quality sits for deer hunting as opposed to just uh, being out there all the time. So, yes. But well well, for, for, for my goals this year, actually, you know, I, I have a lot, <laughs> but awesome. But, um, one of them that, that, uh, as much as I love deer hunting, deer hunting is my favorite thing. I'm, I, you know, I'm going to go ahead and say that now. So there, there's no, there's no uh, guessing game later on for anybody. <laughs> like, I think he actually likes deer hunting best. Yeah, I do, I do. But uh, I, I love pheasant hunting as well. Um, mm. I have a couple of uh, Britneys. Uh, actually, one's a, a purebred uh, Britney, and the other's a uh, uh, called a Britney Spoodle. She's a rescue, okay. and. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, everyone that that uh, that will tell you how smart a poodle is, I'm going to tell you right now, if you breed a Brittany and a poodle together, the Brittany gets dumber. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, thanks for the tip. I yes, it. yeah. I, my Brittany, he is like, I mean, he... he you can almost like carry on regular conversations with him. And then my, uh, my, my mix, she's, she's, uh, all happy go lucky and not a lot going on between the years, but she's got a great nose on her and she, uh, <laughs> she, she, uh, likes to hunt. And, and of course, uh, uh, my other Brit, he loves, he loves hunting as well. He's a really good, uh, bird dog, but, um, being a guy with, you know, kind of pulled in several different directions, I've done, 
a fair amount of training with, especially uh, um, my male. And mm-hmm. uh, he's got a good foundation on him from, from those efforts from, I mean, right away when he was a puppy, I was already working with stuff on him. And and um, I've done a little bit with my female, uh, my, my, Brit, my Brit Spoodle. Um, yeah. But I have not done enough in years past. And so as far as something I really want to focus on this 2020 season is during the summers, just doing those 20-minute lessons, you know, in the evening when it's not so hot out and, mm-hmm. and just going out and, and working basics, working a little scent recognition, do some yeah. of those, those drills, uh, uh, work on some of the more finesse stuff of, of, uh, you know, handing the bird off easily into my hand or, or getting better with retrieves, you know, just, I, I want to take several days a week where I'm, I'm devoting just little little bits of time to them and uh um you know hopefully helping them be better prepared for for the upcoming uh 2020 uh pheasant season this year yeah and so that's that's really um you know something I, i've kind of almost felt guilty about you know when you got two little kids it's so easy <laughs> you know dogs you know how to take care of yourselves take care of yourselves yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> i gotta sure. I, yeah, I gotta worry yeah. about the kids right now so but I really want to give them that time and 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 help them reach a better potential and, and really reach a better, you know, tap into more potential that that I haven't reached as as their handler. And so, um, sure. I, I wanna I wanna try and work on that uh, this year. And then of course, you know, with deer hunting, uh, I got a couple of bucks that uh, on camera and and you know from first first uh hand experience uh, like i was just saying in that story um that i'd, I'd love to uh make a move on again and, yes. and see if i can uh, tag one so that's that's kind of what i'm i'm really looking forward to this year and going along those lines um as a first gen hunter i mentioned that in the past uh I've really only gun hunted and this last year I actually got out with a, a bow a couple times. Yes. Yeah. I almost, uh, almost got a kill. Um, I, yes. I, I passed one little button buck. I was like, mm, you know, this mm-hmm. would be, this would be my first buck ever or not my first buck <laughs> ever. This would be my first deer ever with a bow. Maybe yeah. I should, maybe I should take this shot. But I was like, no, I, just a little button buck let him grow yeah and so yeah sure I, I, but then i had this nice eight point that walked right up to me from about i don't know 150 yards out and he came into about 40 i just needed oh. him to i'd been practicing you know out to about 20 and mm-hmm, i just mm-hmm. needed him to go that like other that next 20 yards and yes and but he he winded me i was mouth breathing and oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> you know, all out of shape from hiking all the way across the field or whatever, but but uh, well, yeah, when and you're then get, and then you get buck too, fever, man, right? Yeah, you're one? just oh, like man. yeah. So so uh, he he winded me and he took off, but but I was actually out there because that farmer gave me that report that he saw that that uh, giant limping around. I thought you know I can't go out. I don't. I'm out of gun tags for him. Yeah, but I can get a I can get a bow tag and see if I can finish the job. So there you go. I've been practicing a ton. I got I got a new nice. bow this off season and uh yeah actually my wife and i are are getting into it together i figured i was pretty much at square zero and and obviously she's never done it either and so 
we've kind of been learning it together. It's been a, it's been a lot of fun. So, That's awesome. um, you know, I have a goal of hopefully getting a deer with with my bow this year. So, I got, like I said, I got a lot. I, I've, I've, I've got probably too many goals. <laughs> and that's cool. that's awesome. That's great. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe I'll hit, maybe if I have enough goals, uh, see, I'm still in that first gen uh, quantity uh, phase here. If I have enough goals, maybe I'll reach one of them, but. Yeah, no, right, right. That's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. So, you know, real quick before we uh, close this one out. Yeah. An issue going on in our, in our world right now, mm-hmm. um, in, in not just, let's get even more focused we're well aware of what's going on in our world right now with the COVID-19 pandemic and and Mm -hmm. you know the tragic loss of life that's already happened with that and and um you know just how it's changed uh how we do things right now but Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one of the one of the things that I think kind of has gotten lost in the shuffle with all of this yeah that is very uh pertinent to us as hunters Mm-hmm. are conservation groups you know these mm-hmm. these uh, uh quality deer management association yep. um pheasants forever mm-hmm. uh nwtf ducks unlimited yeah yep. a lot of these organizations had their banquets scheduled right around the time when this was all unraveling yeah and in fact i had set up um a group of guys that I work with, we were going to go to a QDMA banquet and we actually paid mm-hmm. for a, a whole table. To, uh, we had, you know, we got everybody in to, to come up with that much of a donation to get a table together. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we were all looking forward to it and, you know, no fault of QDMA. I think they absolutely yeah. made the right call for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to cancel the banquet. The yeah. Th- the thousands of dollars that 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 just that local chapter lost that night you know uh and yeah. then when you think of QDMA across the nation you know mm-hmm. how many banquets just like that canceled mm-hmm. same thing for pheasants forever same thing for ducks unlimited same thing uh for national wild turkey federation uh, all these all these organizations are hurting right now and yeah that might not seem like that big of a deal. You know, it's, it's another nonprofit, you know, of course money's always going to be an issue, but they do so much for each hunter, whether you're a member or not, because they pour their efforts into better habitat, better ecosystems. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have quality, uh, a a quality wildlife population, I don't care if you're talking game species or non game species, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When we have this many people on this planet developing this much land, mm-hmm. the creative solutions that these organizations come up with that have really made our wildlife populations here in North America something that is unrivaled, really, mm-hmm. around much of the world. And, yeah. And yet we're one of the most developed uh, continents you know, the fact that we have such bountiful game still. Now, yeah. don't, don't don't hear me wrong. You know, the days of Daniel Boone were uh, <laughs> were, were, <laughs> were something to see and something we won't uh, probably ever see again. But yeah. But for for when you take those those things into consideration, the the amount of good that these organizations have done 
you can't you can't quantify that and um it's concerning to me i mean that there this is work that is done almost entirely uh on uh the dime of generous uh hunters and anglers and yeah and um people who are donating their their hard-earned money and especially Mm -hmm. during these banquets that were all canceled and you, it's not something you can really reschedule, you know, it's yeah. not. And so if you haven't yet, go ahead and renew your membership to, uh, you know, whatever respective uh, organization you've belonged to in the past. And maybe even up your membership status, you know. So uh, in Pheasants Forever, for instance, you know, the, the basic member level, I think, is a $35 membership. Mm-hmm. Consider going up to the seventy-five dollar and becoming a rooster booster. You there know? you go. And and give them a little bit of extra money. It's not nothing huge, but you know if mm-hmm. enough of us kind of do a little bit more than we have in the past. And again, they're not the only ones hurting uh, financially. Of course, this is a worldwide thing. So you may be in sure. the same boat. You know, maybe you've lost your job or been laid off, or and by all means, you got to take care of yourself and your family first. Sure. But for those of us like myself who've been fortunate enough to to still be able to uh, pull a paycheck during this time and have work to do, um, let's consider stepping up and and uh, uh, for for the sake of of uh, habitat and, and wildlife, and not just not again not just for the game species, but but for all species that. Um, that we get to enjoy, you know, how many times, I bet I have more pictures on my phone of cool birds <laughs> or mm-hmm. other wildlife that I've seen while I've been yeah. in the stand than just deer, you know, and it's, yeah. it, 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 these organizations are so important to that. And, and so really consider, uh, maybe, uh, increasing your membership, renewing early, or even joining another group along with the, those that you're already a member of. And, and let's try and, and help carry these groups through. And, and, uh, hopefully, you know, a year from now, we'll be talking a totally different story where things are, things are going well. And, um, you know, we a little bit back closer to what, whatever normal was before. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, so. I, I absolutely a hundred percent agree with you. I'm a big supporter of several of the groups that you mentioned. And, you know, uh, another big thing the groups do, a lot of them is, you know, they put out a lot of content, you know, for yeah. uh, QDMA in particular, you know, has a lot of great articles. Uh, and that's sure. the one that I'm, you know, in particular, I'm really involved with and enjoy. Um, but there's, you just like Kent mentioned so many, so many of them out there in, you know, for the first, gen hunters out there i mean so much of this is you know is knowledge based type stuff you know that that can be accessed and so when you look at these banquets being canceled you know huge portions of what they anticipate on their their income the revenue side of things is you know is hit with that and so you know i think it's interesting with covid going on um, you know, the challenge is it's pulling money away from outdoor programs, you know, organizations like this. But the interesting thing is um, I read an article just recently. It was on a you know mainstream media page and it was talking about how the interest in hunting is increasing yeah. right now because people realize, oh, man, you know, that's that's a skill. You know, that's that's a skill that allows me to be able to potentially take care of my family. Yeah. Um, you know, something that, you know, people are, you know, really maybe didn't 
really realize until something like this happens and, you know, meat shortages, food shortages, things like that. And so the opportunity, you know, as we talk to, you know, how do we build the conservation efforts and then even, you know, kind of the goals for improving the hunting world in general, you know, if we all take the opportunity to educate someone else, to, to take someone hunting, you know, if we take the opportunity to get involved, not only are, 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 are we going to help someone else get into it and enjoy it, but we're also going to enjoy it more ourselves. Sure. So, I mean, t- taking that, to, you know, one thing I think that's been interesting about the American society is in many, in many, in many respects, the American society is kind of closed in the sense of, you know, I've got my own family, I've got my own unit, I've got, you know, and, and I'm very busy and I'm very focused on what I have going on. But what's, what's interesting is when we kind of go the reverse way and we look outside of ourselves, you know, obviously we've got to take care of our fam. Our family comes first. We've got to prioritize. Yep. But when we start to look outside of ourselves for how we can help others and in that expands to, you know, being able to enjoy the outdoors and those things, not only are we helping someone else and, and we're helping them get into the, 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 the outdoor side of things and we're, you know, generating support for these organizations and whatnot, we're also going to enjoy it more ourselves because, wow, we're creating friendships and bonds and memories with other people. And Absolutely. at the end of the day, those stories, stories are only amplified when you can share them with someone. You know, I, I, you know, myself, I'm a very outgoing person. I try, I've thought before, you know, what if I just was genuinely into hunting by myself. I didn't really have any friends that were into it. I didn't really pursue getting right. friends into it. I just did it by myself. And I thought, wow, that would take so much of the enjoyment out of it, you know, versus being able to share it with people, you know, and wow, they just what that creates and the friendships that come from that. And so I think being a mentor, you know, if we, and, and everyone has a different capacity, you know, some people have access to hundreds of acres so they can say, Hey, you know, Hey, Hey, buddy, come on, come on, you know, come hunt with me a few yeah. times. Some people don't, but they have the ability to share knowledge. You know, they have, they have the ability to even say, hey, you, I'm happy to tag along with you and kind of teach you some tricks of the trade, whatever. You know, just looking for ways to be able to be involved in other people's lives and then also to be mentored. You know, it's good to mentor, but it's also good to be mentored. And, you know, like we were talking about before, you know, none of us have all the information. So if we can approach it in humility and learn from each other, even the first, I'm, I'm excited to learn from kent and other first generation hunters you know many times you know things work out like the the story with my deer this past year you know what that really what in that moment it wasn't a skill thing the good lord blessed and and provided that and and you know many times you know you think of uh, you look at these hunters and you know yeah a lot of people know a lot of things but many times you know it, it's really not about the skill level involved it's about being out there it's about enjoying it it's about 100%. friendship it's about all those Spotting. other things that are just so much more important. Yep. Um, and, you know, so it's nice when, you know, we receive those blessings to be able to harvest an animal or whatever, but there's so much that goes into it. So just being able to look outside of ourselves and how we can in, in, involve other people is just a huge part of conti- ultimately continuing the legacy of hunting, the tradition of hunting in, in, in our country as it has been. So hopefully we can continue to see that grow. And if, if there's one bit of good news from COVID, it's that it is drawing attention to that skill of, you know, and, and kind of encouraging people to, you know, want to be more into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head again. It's, it is a time where you kind of assess your, I guess, maybe inadequacies or, Mm -hmm. uh, um, where, where you're vulnerable as a person and, yeah. and, you know, you show up to the grocery store and man, I, 
there's not really much here to eat for meat right now. You <laughs> <Right>. know, <laughs> that that's going on right in my backyard right now, you know, with, with, yeah. with all these, uh, meat packing plants here in Iowa, just having these mm-hmm. huge outbreaks and, and having to shut right. down and, you know, yeah. you got farmers that have the, they have the livestock, but they, mm-hmm. there's no, there's no one to process the meat. And so, right. Yeah. So you're exactly right. People are having to, to look, uh, at what they're capable of, or maybe something they've been interested in the past with just hunting, or or uh, maybe they their dad hunted growing up, but they never got into it. Whatever it is, I, yes. I think you're I think you're spot on there with 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 your assessment. And as we close here, you know, if you are a, a first gen hunter, um, don't expect to to have some due date by when you're supposed to be successful with hunting you know um well it, 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 it's it's different from state to state it's different from um work schedule to work schedule you know maybe you don't have a lot of vacation time from work or maybe maybe the vacation time you do have is pretty much tied up in other other priorities and and so don't don't get caught up hearing our stories or or uh, seeing uh, what's going on in the Instagram world or Facebook or or wherever, um, and and think to yourself, man, you know, I've been at it for a couple of years. I'm not sure if this is. For... Don't give up. Just yeah. just uh, focus on the little things that are so enjoyable about hunting that are so unique to hunting. And Brandon really kind of touched on that at the beginning of the show. There's all these reasons for a guy like Brandon who's been doing it for 30 years to keep going mm-hmm. back out. He there's there's new surprises. There's new there's new opportunities. You know that yes that um, you'll never have unless you go go for it. And, yes. and again, please um, please tap into the resources uh, that that first gen hunters putting out and, and of course uh um as as brandon mentioned with the hunt fish life page the, they're looking to tell stories for hunters and part of that is helping hunters get there and so so um w- both both uh, uh brands here we we are seeking to help you so so uh, go to uh, firstgenhunter.com to find uh a lot of more information different tips, different tricks, information that could be as, as base level as how do I use that piece of hunting equipment or, mm-hmm. um, how do I clean a gun? How do I, you know, you'll, you'll be able to get help with that through, through the first gen hunter resource. So again, hit firstgenhunter.com, of course, hit our social pages through, uh, Instagram and, and Facebook as well. And, uh, and even, uh, one that I'm going to include in there is go wild. That's a growing, um, social media platform for outdoorsmen, um, not nice. just hunting, but, but fishing as well. Uh, so check out the link to our go wild page as well. And, um, uh, also while, while you're there, you know, find some gear you like or something, uh, help rep the brand, spread the word. So let's make this a great resource for not only you, but other hunters that, looking for a resource outlet for all kinds of quality hunting information yeah well brandon i really appreciate you giving up your evening man and yeah uh, it's been my pleasure yeah this is a lot of fun it was, it was yeah. you know as far as first episodes go um i can't tell you uh what to compare it to but we'll never <laughs> have it again i guess so <laughs> hey you so know what it's awesome as good as it's it going to get, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> no, that, that was awesome.
I want to give a big thank you to Brandon for co-hosting this podcast with me. An equally significant thank you goes to you, the listeners, for tuning in to the opening episode of the First Gen Hunter podcast. I plan for this to be a long-term friendship over the airwaves where we can all learn to become better hunters together. Please also visit firstgenhunter.com where you will find helpful articles, a link to the First Gen Hunter YouTube channel and social media pages, as well as some gear you can purchase to represent yourself as a first-gen hunter. Take care and take someone hunting.